F the Cowboys, F all the rest of the East, but, you know, go Birds. To another episode of Next Man Up, and I'm back, baby. I'm back. Not the Eagles are back. Not doing is back. Lee O'Neill, your host. I'm right here, and I'm back. And I have to say, before I go any further, Phil, fantastic job in my in my absence, sir. I enjoyed listening to your your voice and mix dulcet tones as I wandered the streets of New York City and Philadelphia, Newtown, Pennsylvania. Um, particularly enjoyed the the last podcast. It was uh, one of our best, I think. So. If I if I'm allowed back as hosting duties, you know I, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. How you doing, Phil? Yeah, um, I'm quite quite secretly pleased to be handling back hosting duties. <laughs> I mean, you're very kind with your words, mate. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's I'm not going to give up my day job anytime soon. I don't think hosting hosting a uh, award winning podcast is uh, is in my is in my future. But I'm happy to step in every time. Amazing. And, and as you say that, uh, just uh, bringing Mick in from the waiting room as he had a, uh, a little bit of a tougher time getting his getting his kids down this afternoon. So um, I'll give Mick a chance to get settled uh, before we bring him into the podcast. But listen, everyone just wanted to quickly give you an overview of how this podcast is going to run. But you said, um, well, I'm going to give you guys a bit of a rundown of my trip to my trip to Philly. Um, shamelessly uh, plug the adventures I had over there and hopefully give you guys some insights as to what I experienced while I'm over while I was over there as well. We're going to talk about the aftermath of the Packers as I was there live and the boys watched on TV. That will, of course, include the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy. We will, of course, look around the NFC beast and we will preview the game coming up this weekend against the Tennessee Titans. Derek Henry comes to town. That's going to be something to behold, I am sure, and a big test for our birds, which we will get into shortly. Mick, are you with us? Are you there? How are you, sir? Yes, I am here. I am with you. I am with you all. <laughs> good evening. How are we? Very good. Very good. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting those kids down just in time before we continue the podcast. But guys, before we go any further, I'm just going to straight go straight into it. And I just wanted to give you a bit of insight to my trip to Philadelphia, the people I met, um, and. Uh, yeah, um, so 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 starting off, I was I was in New York City. I won't bore you with the details of what I did in New York, but if you need any if you need any tips, that's my third time there. Jump in my DMs, slide into my DMs, and I'm I'll be happy to give you some tips of where to go in New York City. But where I, one thing I will say is I went to an incredible Philadelphia bar called Wogies in Greenwich Village, uh, where I caught the Colts game. Uh, last week, and um, that was a hell of a lot of fun. If you're ever in New York, you want to go catch an Eagles game. Don't go anywhere near a New York Giants bar. Giants uh, bar because they're everywhere. By the way, I was walking down the street uh, one of the days with my mother, um, who I brought over for her 60th birthday, and my 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 darling fiance, who has shamelessly stayed in Philadelphia for another week um, to work. So I'm here back home with the cats on my own. Um, so this this guy pulls up in the car, stops right beside us, and shouts out the window, "Fuck you, birds!" <laughs> <laughs> and then drives off in his car, to which we all started laughing because that's the kind of banter you want when you're wearing a jersey in a neighbouring, um, a neighbouring club's city. Um, but that was lots of fun. Um, 
you know, I was I was holding court in in the bar in, in New York City. I'm not going to lie, they they all loved it. it. Was a UK Irish guy in in New York. They all loved that we do the podcast over here. And I think we've got a few more uh, a few more listeners to the podcast. So if you're listening, if you're listening in uh, over there, Helen, um, shout out to you, Matt, shout out to you. Um, hope you guys are listening in for your first podcast for me back in the rains. Um, that was a tight game. Loved listening into your insights into the game. And I'm so glad we got the win. When A.G. Brown fumbled that ball, we'll get on to another fumble later on. I thought that might be game <clears throat> until we turned the ball over back. And, and then we obviously got the win. Jalen Hurts, baby, putting it on his shoulders all over again. So New York City was great, good fun. Um, but listen, let's get to the juicy stuff. Let's get to the juicy stuff. Went down to Newtown, PA. Um, which is where Uncle Tony lives uh, with, with Katie and my mum. And we had a lovely Thanksgiving there. Yada, yada, yada. Fast forward Saturday morning. Big shout out to David Spadero. Thank you so much. Got us tickets to go to the Hall of Fame brunch Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Wasn't planning on getting up that early after we were watching the USA-England game the day before and we got absolutely bladdered. Managed to get up in time, make our way down to the link, um, which was which was pretty special. Uh, it was a Hall of Fame inductee brunch for Hugh Douglas and Trent Cole, two absolute Eagles legends. For those of you who are old enough to watch them play, um, absolute superstars. We there were also on the on the panel was Connor Barwin, uh, I agree, Meryl Reese Hollis, and Dave Spider himself hosting. Made me feel so insignificant in my ability to host anything when I watched Dave be so professional on stage, just being an absolute ringmaster and a boss that he is. And he called himself a homer a few times, so it's good that he can have a laugh at himself. So that was really cool. Um, some good insights on what it was like for them playing in Philly. Uh, one of the questions they were asked, you know, what team really got you, what team did you really get up for this when you were playing every year? And both, both Trent and, and Hugh turned around and said, you think we had a choice <laughs> when they got off the plane to land in Philly as their new destination? All they were told all the time was beat Dallas. Don't care what you do. Beat Dallas. Just beat Dallas. <laughs> and that's all we heard time and time again, which was uh, great to hear. So that was a great time. Date it and then there. Um, again, very fortunate. And thank you to friend of the podcast, Jamal Singleton. We're going to be talking about him and his day he had against the Packers later on. He invited me for a tour around Novacare Center with uh, 4th and John's Gail Saunders. We had a cracking time. I have to say, Gail, was he listening in? He was a bit of a fangirl. He didn't say much. He was looking around in awe um, at, at what he was seeing. We got to go and go to the Eagles meeting room. So I ran down to the front and pretended to give a Nick Sirianni speech that I don't think was appreciated by everyone else in the room. Um, but I did it anyway. One really cool thing I noticed walking around is there are basketball nets everywhere. And I mean everywhere. You see a real sense of competition uh, that Nick Sirianni brings brings to the place. The uh, the locker room was pretty fun. Uh, if you've already listened to the Four From John podcast, uh, you, would, you would have already heard uh, who, the, uh, who the messiest person is in Eagles locker room phil mick you heard who that is uh we think we saw a few pictures and we get posted through just through what just through whatsapp channels coach you're listening in nothing on the socials (laughs) (laughs) no those were some impressive impressively chaotic lockers weren't they mick i think was it kelsey kelsey yeah 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 kelsey but i think i think if you've been there that long it's like your second second bedroom in it it's gonna have everything in it i can't imagine there isn't anything in that locker that a man can't possibly need short of maybe a keg or two because you're obviously not going to have that in a 
the training facility. I mean, I think he he was almost you could all you wouldn't be able to fit one there. That's for sure. There was no <laughs> space anywhere. I thought it was quite nice that all the offensive linemen lockers were side by side, um, together. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the first locker as you walked in on the left. Uh, a little insight into Jalen Hurts' locker that I saw. Um, he had a um, "Believe in Women's Football" sticker, um, just kind of etched across the side, which I thought was a really nice thing and a testament to the person and the man we know who Jalen Hurts is. Um, I, won't, I won't divulge any more of anyone else's locker room. What I will say is, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph—the size of their football boots. My God, I've what never size seen, is Jalen Hurts? I have no idea. I'm just talking about all the rest of it. Everywhere you walk, <laughs> like these things are bigger than my torso, and that's no small feat. I've got one question though, Liam. <laughs> Go on. Did you smell his shoes? No, I did not. <laughs> there was a slight <laughs> temptation. <laughs> I did not. I did not smell his shoes. But hey, look, it was a great experience. I uh, saw Zach Berman today tweeted out the uh, picture of the Eagles training facility, and you know, I was thinking to myself, oh, I was there a few days ago, standing on there with coach and and just you know chatting the breeze. And you know, I asked him about how his fandom was with Nottingham Forest going. You know, the team he chose on this podcast. He said he said he had to do it. He said he did his research. He had to do it. He liked the history. He liked everything he'd seen. And, you know, he's got faith in them moving forward. So we'll see how that works out for you, coach. I'm not too sure that's going to gonna be the case in the uh, in the long run. But but listen, really special day. And um, then the next day went along to the Packers game, obviously. Um, thanks. I managed to get some sideline tickets, which was pretty cool. Um, saw Aaron Rodgers from 10 yards away. And... Um, there's a picture, I don't know if you've seen one of the ones I've sent through, fellow Patch Roberts. He's got his hands in his little warmer and he's got his eyes down with his eyes closed just after he's thrown a ball to a receiver and dropped it. <laughs> and that was pre-game. You can almost tell. He's, he's just, he's checked out, man. You could tell it from his body language just on the pitch. That was, that was nicely skirted over there, Liam. About I just want to go back to your, your, your sideline experience. <laughs> one too many flappy birds, I think. Um, a couple of videos. Of those. I mean, they. I mean, I, often, I remember something that my, uh, my a close friend of mine from Italy used to say whenever I used to go on. Well, I went on holiday with him when I was seventeen years old. He said to me, "You can always tell the Brits a mile off when you're on holiday." And I was like, "Well, yeah, all right, come on then." He's like, "No, no, I can. You could spot them. It's just it's, they, they've just got this inane." ability to just show themselves up and highlight themselves to the world and just stand out like a sore thumb in a crowd and I imagine a, a sober a semi-sober Irishman running down the sideline doing the flappy birds there's nothing sober about it Phil well um, but don't try and don't try and excuse your actions mate we all know that that's your that was your dream but running down the sideline doing a flappy bird I see so this was a this was an eight this was an 820 game obviously over there we were tailgating from 12 30 in the afternoon uh, we did it proper philly style as well uh, so we were like under i-95 and it was like old abandoned derelict like buildings they were, we weren't right next to the stadium we did like a real authentic old school experience um and it was pretty cool we played cornhole i went three and two it was brilliant anyway listen enough of my yeah. experience and my chat my flexing it was an incredible time philadelphia is a wonderful place newtown's a wonderful place the people there are incredible and the eagles got the win baby that is the most important thing. Eagles got the win. They went 10-1 and one against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur. And God, does that feel good? Because this is one of those games that we looked at at the start of the season. And I know they haven't performed as well as they could, but they've shown up in some games. 
It felt good to silence some doubters, though, Phil, didn't it? Don't you wish your team was 10 and 1? <laughs> Don't you wish your franchise was 10 and 1? God, is this a song? No, I'm not going <laughs> to. I, I practiced in the car today. It didn't go well then either. Um <laughs> It's just I don't think it's so much haters. It's just I think it's just pure jealousy. I think we always you always want to knock off the the guy on the top of the mountain. You always want to knock off the team that's that's leading the pack. And I think I think generally just people just can't be happy for us because let's face it, we are quite insufferable as a fan base. But generally, like even if we weren't, I think people just I think when the Steelers went under well were sort of undefeated sort of most of the way through the season, like one or two or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. ridiculous amount, and then. That people just want you to want to see the big people fail and they want to see the underdogs grow. And unfortunately, we're just not an underdog anymore. We're, yeah. um, you know, we might still have the dog in us, but we're still, um, but we're definitely the team team to beat. And I just, yeah, people just, like, in the WhatsApp groups, I see you sort of trying to fight the battles. I stay out of it because I just know that there's, it's it's not a losing battle, but it's just. I quite enjoy it though. It's like a dog chasing his tail. You can go around and round and round for hours and, and still not find yourself anywhere uh, more advanced than when you started. I think. Yeah, but Mick said the other day, yeah, he's like 312 messages. Oh, I see what happened. I'm, I'm assuming Liam's <laughs> trying to defend you. Because <laughs> of Mick, how was it, man? Did you enjoy the game? Were, were, you, were there any moments where you were worried uh, or did you have full confidence Eagles were going to get the W the whole way through? Oh, I loved the game, mate. Um, I just wish I could watch it at a, a decent time during the day, like, like you did, over stateside where me and Phil are. The rest of the British viewers are struggling at half four in the morning. Mm. Just like, right, finish this game, like kill it off. And, you know, the Packers seem to be, uh, well, bringing on Jordan Love and he seems to be starting making plays to Watson and, you know, the, mm-hmm. start driving straight up the field. I'm like, God, come on. <laughs> the time, man, just get this over with. Um, but- That's a really interesting point. <clears throat> Uh, Mick, and I think we can probably just jump straight into the good, the bad, and our sexy, and we'll go straight to the bad and let you continue on this train because we have been on prime time a few times this year already, and it ties in very nicely with a big section of the bad, and that's the play calling by Jonathan Gannon. Uh, continues to be in the bad and the good, but more than not, tends to be in the bad, and the the inability for the Eagles to kill games that you're just talking about, the inability for them to finish teams off. I mean, they let us, they let them back in. How, like, they didn't, I can't believe it was possible that they'd let them back in again. And not only that, but they did it in the first quarter. Just talk to me about Gannon and, and his performance, mate, before I go off on one. Jo- Johnny G doesn't like a 14-point cushion. No, he does not. <laughs> does not like a 14-point cushion. But, you know, it's, it's been happening all season. And I mean, we go hot and cold with Gannon. Let's let's face it. Like the last couple of weeks, we've been like, well, he's held um, these offenses to under seventeen points in the last X many games, and um, you know we've got one of the top ten passing defenses statistically in the league. Um, generally, we don't give up the big play and all that sort of thing, and you know this bend don't break defense and. And then the next week we'll be like, oh no, Gannon sucks. Get him the fuck out of Philadelphia. They get him sacked at the end of this season, bring in somebody new, someone with fresh ideas like Vic Fangio. Oh, wait a minute. Where, where did Gannon get all, that, all his ideas from? <laughs> um, aye, it's, it's just one of these things. We talk about Gannon every week. 
doesn't matter what he does, we're going to be talking about. And it's, 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 it's just frustrating more than anything else to watch a game where, you know, they started off so, so well. I'm sure we'll come on to all the good stuff, but we're, that that game was, like, perfect. It was a perfect start to the game. And then, like you said, we just invited it and let them back in. And what I will say in, in the defence of the defence <laughs> is the offence didn't make it easy for them. It's interesting you say that. And the special teams didn't make it easy for them. No, I agree with that part. I agree to say special teams didn't, didn't make it easy for them. I, I have a different opinion on the offence. I feel, I feel like um, the offence won the game for the Eagles. I mean, you, you score 40 points and you only win by seven. That's on the defence. Yeah, but I mean, it's... The turnovers, I mean, there's... there's we're we're getting we, to gave, that, yeah. we, gave, we gave the ball back on a 3-1, a 4-1 that we couldn't execute in our own half on the first quarter. That was on the offence. That's on the play calling by the offence. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the defence could have got it a stop. They didn't, but you give Green Bay a short field, you give Aaron Rodgers a short field, and then in the in the red zone, no chance. Yeah, one of those turnovers um, wasn't short. They took it down the whole way, but I suppose you're right. That doesn't give them the short field. Um. Just want to throw in there, there were some good defensive performances if we're talking about individuals. Um, so you know, I'm not I'm not throwing the defense in and all the players in the defense in on into this bad in one basket. I'm I'm more, I'm more talking about the play calling, you know, the soft play calling that we continue to see time and time and time again, especially on third downs, especially when we've got a 14-point lead. It it contradicts the thought process. The thought process is not letting them back into the game with big plays, but then it's it's death by by churn. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're not giving the defense any chance to breathe because you're just letting them get first down after first down, whether it's on first, second, or third. Um, bend don't break only works if you don't break at the end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it only works if you don't break at the end. If you bend, 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 bend. And break, 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 break. There's no, there's no, you know, replacement rulers for you. They're all those bendy rulers are done. There's no, there isn't seven more left of them in the classroom. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> not um, sharp any longer. <laughs> not, not sharp That was what I was looking for. I thought at least someone got it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Phil, just, just, just touching on this point. You got a bit of a scowl on your face. Go on. Well, I'm just well you are the conductor it. of the train, I should answer. Well, I feel like he needs to be defended if there is something to defend him with. And whilst it might not be like before you, know. you go on, before okay. sorry, before, okay. before you go on, before you go on, okay. no other team in the NFL has conceded 33 points to the Green Bay Packers this season. Packers haven't scored that many points. We're the first team to let that to happen. There's only one other team that scored 30 or more points. They average 18.4 yards per game, which is 26 in the NFL. Okay, am I, am I allowed to start now, yeah? Yeah, now you can start, yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to argue against the points. I, I agree on the points factor. To give up that many points, it's it's, it's a good job that, that Jalen Hurts was on fire and managed to score more points than them. But when you look at when you look at the stats, similar to the the Colts game with Jonathan Taylor, sort of a big, big burst out of the out of the traps, a couple of big plays. Um, with Dylan and Jones both getting touchdowns, yeah, but they still only rushed for 106 yards. Yeah, they didn't rush for much, you're right. Um, and even when you look at the passing yards, I know we're going to bring that up later, with 253 um, passing yards. Um, 110 for Watson, obviously, but 
one of those was on a bus to play with Reed missing his missing his assignment and allowing sixty five yards. Yeah, it was it was well over fifty. That's for sure. So, yeah. well over half of those yards are on one play. And what I'm trying to say is that it's easy to kind of go. It felt a lot worse. We're looking at the rushing yards. I thought, God, we're going to get absolutely obliterated by Dylan and Jones in this game. But sixty four yards. Does that make it a little bit more worrying that they still give up thirty three points though? <sighs> But again, we'll get on to special teams, you know, giving them yeah, a short true. field. Mm-hmm. You know, the point point when you look at the amount of points they scored versus the yards that they they actually gained themselves, it, it still it paints a different picture again. So the argument could be made that the defense wasn't entirely terrible, but it you know it wasn't great, and giving up that many points is unacceptable. That was a game where if we'd managed to keep them to under 20 points, we'd be all crowing about this game as being the breakout game, but we can't because we only beat them by seven points. Do you reckon? Um, do you do you reckon there's um, uh, an envelope of money that has passed from Roger Goodell to Jonathan Gallon every week to keep the games tight for NFL viewership? No, nah, because no one likes that from the Eagles apart from the Eagles fan, <laughs> and we all know that. Uh, no, but I think I think just generally the, the, the overarching point, like I've said, I'm trying to make is that the. But the, by the way, it was 500 points for 500 yards for the Eagles, as you were saying, compared to 354. Yeah, the Packers. And, yeah. And I think, you know, you can, you can, it's an argument as old as time. You can use stats to paint any argument you want if you're clever enough. And I just, I think the way I look at it is going, it, it wasn't great. I'm disappointed that we conceded that many points, but generally the defense didn't, it, you say Ben don't break, but that the stats looked like Ben don't break to me. Mm. We just gave them a few short fields with special teams and we just couldn't sort of really 100% tighten up. So I definitely would, if someone said to me tomorrow at the end of the season, Gannon's gone, you're going to get someone over in, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's easy to sort of kind of go, there feels like a running narrative. You know, when it's just like the, oh, Gannon's, Gannon's shite. When the defense is shite, Gannon's shite. When the defense is good, no one gives Gannon credit. And should, I, should any of us be complaining, Mick, at all, about anything when the Eagles are 10 and 1? No. <laughs> do, you, do you want a longer answer than that? Not particularly, uh, but go for it if you have one. <laughs> I, I don't really. It's uh, Phil. Phil's nailed it. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty much what I was dancing around saying as well. Is like we're blown hot and cold on Gannon all the time. But when you look at the, after the game, once you you clear your head a little bit and from all the excitement and um, play by play action, once you break it all down to to the numbers in front of us, it's, it's not that bad. And from a team that are 10 and 1, it's, you know, we're, we're just really nitpicking at this point. And we're just, but I mean, there's always, always something at the back of the head that just says to you, you're, you're worried about better teams doing worse to us, yeah. you know. So once it gets to playoff time, once it gets to January football, um, we can't be playing the same sort of brand. And that we're playing just now because the, those sort of teams will absolutely we'll find us out. Yeah, that, that, that's, you, you're absolutely right there, Mick. I think it's easy for us right now to kind of look at it and go, "Ah, it's fine." But if we, when we get into when we inevitably play someone like the 49ers with the outstanding defense that they have, um, Christian McCaffrey, who'll absolutely tear us in the arsehole. Well, yeah, but on that side of the ball, but just generally from a defensive point of view for them, and 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 yeah, for for our, for our defense against a team like that. You, you're going to get worried when we the argument about whether our so, our schedule is soft or not. When when we get to the playoffs, there are no soft schedules in the playoffs. It's it'll be it'll be the the, the true acid test as we like to, we like to say. But 
Um, well, there's that stat that we've beat, like, like the teams we've beaten have beaten the other five top teams. Like, so we've been a team that's beaten the Chiefs, we've been a team that's beaten the Bills, we've, be, we've beaten the Vikings, we've beaten Dallas. So, like, we, uh, and I know it's not the same as beating those teams. I'm not trying to make that comparison, honestly, you know, but we have not had an easy schedule when you look at the teams we've beaten and their records complete compared to teams we haven't played. No, but I, I think one thing that sticks out to me, I think was it during the Bucks Super Bowl winning season, I think they didn't they get their ass handed to them by the Saints twice, but then when it really mattered, they smashed them out of the park. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, you know, it doesn't matter that we beat the Vikings 28 to 7 at the start of the season um, when we maybe caught the cold because, you know, you can make an argument any games in the first four games can be dismissed as a bit sure. of rust, a bit of all this, a bit of that. Um, once you've had a full season of Justin Jefferson getting really, really hot, the cousins throwing dimes to him every. I'm not sure about that one, but the first one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you play them, it's just a different kettle of fish. I think it. I'll, I'll treat the if we play the Vikings in in the playoffs, if we play the Niners, if we play the um the other teams that we. Who am I scared so of right now? Who am I scared of right now? Forty Niners. Generally, they 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 frighten me, and I don't yeah. know why. That's what frightens me is that I'm. I know it's because the defense is really good, but I just generally feel like they're a, they're a, they're a dark horse this season. That's kind of gone mm. under the radar. Mm. They signed McCaffrey, and and then they're rolling. Obviously, they've they've lost. Oh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, they're they're t- even Elijah Mitchell coming back off. Brandon Ayuk, who had a, a rough start to his rookie year, seems to be coming all guns blazing at the moment. They're sneaky solid. Like there just doesn't seem to be really an obvious area you can point to. Yeah, but you know you'll just hit him on this area anyway. We're, we're, we're getting massively off topic here. I think I think ultimately <laughs> that's because well, I came back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another two-hour one, guys. Um, I think ultimately I'd I wish they were. I prefer them to be better, but I'm not going to start freaking out when the defense is sort of performing pretty well. It's just the points don't reflect that. All right. All right. Enough about enough about Mr. Gannon and the defense. And we did go off on a bit of a tangent there, but I think it was a fun one. Mick, can you talk to me about AJ Brown, please? Second week in a row, fumble. I know he's had a great season so far. I'm not going to ask you how worried you are about this maintaining moving forward, but we cannot not put him on the bad part, bad part of this podcast because of the fumble and because of what happened after it. Yeah, well, it, it deserves to be on the bad side of, of the divide this week and the last week and probably the week before he's on he's on a bit of a slump, we might say. Um, <clears throat> we can't afford to turn the ball over in such a fashion. It's just, it, it absolutely has killed momentum and a couple of a couple of games this season already, the, the last couple. Um, and you know, I'm sure you'll need to have a word with your mate, Coach Singleton. Get the boxing gloves out and knock shout EJ Brown until and make sure he doesn't give up the ball. So um, in the in the just on that point, a uh, bit of insider knowledge here. So in the um meeting room area, there's a huge poster on the left hand side right near where Sirianni stands. And it's the four ways in which you grip and hold control of the ball. And that only went up recently. So it's it is being drilled into them left, right, and center. Um, but you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Coach, come on. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's a, he's a fantastic player. I'd rather have him on my team than not have him on the team. Um, he just needs to get it right. Um, cradle that ball as if it's your 
your newborn baby, AJ. Come on, take care of it. <laughs> of course, he listens to the podcast. I reckon he might listen to one or two. You never know. You never know. He likes the English and the Irish and the Scots. Um, right, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Listen, <laughs> it's a silly, it's a silly, it's a silly statement to even say. Like, would you have him on your team? Would you not? Obviously, AJ Brown's an elite player. He's going to do more elite things for the Eagles this season. Um, but I'm sorry, just because you're an elite player, you are not protected from going on the bad part of this podcast. He, you know, he did catch a good touchdown. He did make some good plays. There was rumors that said he lost seven pounds to illness the day before. I want to know how the hell you lose seven pounds in a day. So if anyone could tell me that information and send it my way, that'd be fantastic. Um, <laughs> so we'll give him a pass this week, but it's one to watch moving forward. AJ, I know you're a yak after the carry kind of guy, um, but when there's was there six defenders around him and he was still trying to push through them when that ball came out? Well, come on, man. You're, you know, you're not Superman. So, um, all right, cool. Move, move, moving on from moving on from that then. Just want to touch on CJ Gardner-Johnson. He's in the bad part, not because he played bad, but because obviously he went down uh, to injury, a lacerated kidney. Um, it's kidney, um, by the way, Elliot Shore Parks, not a spleen. They're different things, as I heard you say on 94.1. Um, so lacerated kidney. Um, and he is not going to be out for a long time. It looks like. Remember Zach Ertz had the same thing. Um, it was last year, year before. And they brought him back. I think he was out for a week and they brought him back. So it's possible to come back from his injuries really, really quickly. He's not been put on IR today. So um, if you're waking up or you're listening to this first thing in the morning and you haven't checked the injury report, he's not on IR, which means he's unlikely to be out for four weeks, which means he's likely to be out for two to three weeks. My opinion personally on CJ Gardner-Johnson bringing him back and when you do it, I'm not bringing him back until he's 100% fit and healthy because of the record we have at the moment, uh, unless we lose the next two games. We lose the next two games and we'll bring him back a week early to to get a win, then then sure, but I'm protecting him as much as I can for a playoff run. Um, But good to see that that's not a seizing-ending injury. Phil, thoughts on CJ Gardner-Johnson being out for a few weeks and and what that means for the Birds moving forward? Yeah, well, I think it's important to probably not mention, although it's an injury report, it's not not so much an injury, it's a it's a, it's something that's happened. It's a bi- it's a biological sort of surgical issue rather than he's not sort of torn a muscle or something that needs repair. And is it going to be strong enough to come back? It, it's a kidney, and if it's healed, it's healed. It's 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 whether it's safe from further impact. So I think it's a little bit more cut and dry about they'll do scans, they'll they'll do MRIs and all that sort of stuff just to see the how it's healed. And if it's healed, he'll be back on the field. I'm pretty sure he'll probably be in the gym as much as possible trying to do everything you can to keep keep in shape so i, I don't envisage envisage it being uh too sort of dragging out for too long because of once he's once he's fine he's back in straight back in where he was before um or mick mick dr phil <laughs> it is i have absolutely no medical background whatsoever guys so please don't hold me to this if there are any doctors out there please don't at me um <laughs> Or, I love it. I love or it. like our friend Tony Gutowski sort of said in the group, I think it was today, you know, like his dad, you can survive on one kidney. Let's just get rid of it and move on. Get him back in the game next week. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I love it. I love the commitment. Uh, he is a dog. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, imagine, imagine if he, imagine if he said, I just got rid of it. 
I want to win a ring. <laughs> no, 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 no. Too early. If I mean, if it's before the Super Bowl, maybe it's a ring conversation. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we're not we're not a podcast asking for people to remove their vital organs. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so moving on from that, Phil, I'm gonna throw it to you because this is the good, the bad, and the damn sexy. But let's introduce another part of this podcast. You brought it up a couple of weeks ago. You've talked about this in previous seasons a lot. So we're going to have a new induction every week. Bonehead Cafe induction by Phil Mount Stevens. Phil, take us away. Who are you inducting into the Bonehead Cafe this week? Two guesses who it's going to be. I think we've already mentioned them collectively already mm. as, a, as an entity, but the entire special teams is going into the Bonehead Cafe this week. And let me just paint you a little bit of a picture. I hope you're going to have chefs for them. I hope you're going to have chefs for them all. <laughs> There's no chefs. There's no special teams. I'm not letting them touch my food. Um, <laughs> you know, this week, Hertz is, Hertz is taking a little uh, detour into the in the Bonehead Cafe. Fancies helping out like a soup kitchen, you know, for the needy. Um, goes into the Bonehead Cafe, starts starts cooking up some, some, quality, some quality food. Um, this week is doing a beef Wellington. Absolutely superb. Absolutely beautifully cooked. Um, I'm hoping to have that at my wedding. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> like that. And he decides to, to hand it to, to Britton Covey, um, who's wait, his guest waiter in that week. And he, he, he grabs the play off him and starts proceeding across the, uh, across the restaurant to the eagerly hungry defensive unit that's just eagerly waiting their food. AJ Brown scrambling around on the floor, trying to find the ball that he's fumbled. Across the across the floor, trips over, goes flying, beef Wellington all over the defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon's face. Everyone's just sat there going, all that hard work. Hurts is sat there going, I've I've slaved over this for hours. I've worked so hard to get this team in a position to win this game, and you just go and do that. And AJ Brown, you're not helping either. Um, <laughs> that's that's I mean, round, round of applause for that. That was pretty special. For that's this like week's that. uh, story on on why they're in the Bonehead Cafe. Um, I mean, I don't know how this this cafe stays in business, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but Mick, yeah. bring, bring, Mick, just bringing you in on that just for a second because, uh, well, I, I don't. I think you. Need, I mean, you don't even need an introduction as to why you want to talk about special teams. So just go for it. Sorry. Uh, I had to cough there. I've been nursing my cough all week. What did you say? <laughs> oh, I was just saying, um, you don't need any introduction to talk about special teams. What are you feeling on them this week? Are we sacking them all? Yep. Yep. Would you keep, obviously keep Jake Elliott, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times have I, have I been banging the drum on special teams this season? I know. I know. I've been talking about it every week and I think a few times I've been told shop about special teams. It's not that bad. <laughs> this mate. was particularly like, bad. It is that bad. It is, yeah. and it's just going to get worse if something doesn't happen. About you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any faith in Michael Clay. I think everyone's starting to realise that now. Um, I'll be surprised if he's here next season. I don't think he will be here next season. No, I think that's a sure. foregone conclusion now, right? Phil? I mean, I mean the. The rankings aren't horrific. They're just, they are really poor. They're just not, I was, you know, you're hoping to see 32 next to every stat the Eagles have on special teams because yeah. that's what it feels like. It feels like they are the worst at special teams. They're worst at, at stopping returns. They're worst at, at, mm-hmm. at returning. It's sort of, you know, that it's just that it feels like they should be 32, like I said. It's situational though. Like we talked, you talked earlier on about It doesn't feel defense. like any one particular area. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's like, I, I can name a few. 
Well, no, but it, it, it's a multiple multitude of yeah. of of areas. Like Covey's terrible at returning. Oh, all of them. Yeah, like I see. I mean, yeah, all of them. But it, but it's 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 the blocking. It's the position. It's like, like I said, I think I've said it before. I need to watch the coach's film, um, so you can see the whole field. Because obviously, you're focusing on Covey. He catches the ball, but then he he moves two inches to the left, and he's immediately tackled to the floor or completely pummeled into humanity. It's a bit like you know the. Who's making the play? Who's making the calls, Phil? Mick, yeah, on I... what you on what you do when you're kicking the ball off from from the fifty yard line? You, you know, you start in the half, come back. What? What? Who's making? Who's making those? Is 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 Jake Elliott saying I'm kicking this into the end zone? Probably not. Is Jake Elliott saying, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry. The cat has just ripped my wallpaper off the wall." What are you doing? Is this staying in the podcast? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe that. Next Lost man, that podcast words. brought to you by Wix. Brought to you by Wix. Like he's. Oh, do you know what? Actually, I didn't like that wallpaper anyway. So fuck it. It's just the. That's why you have outdoor cats. You just chuck them outside, put up the arse. He literally whipped it off with his claws, put it in his mouth, and then ran off with with it in his mouth. Like it was a dead cat. Oh, where the hell were we? Bringing you the the best content for Eagles. This is why we drink, ladies and gentlemen. Um, right, where where the hell were we? Uh, special teams, Bonehead Cafe. Uh, all of them are a fault. All right, okay, Mick. Does, does, does someone need to have a word with Jake Elliott um, by not kicking the ball into the end zone, or is that on the special a special teams calling? It's all on Michael Clay. Get him out the building. Second. Yeah. All right. Mick's had enough about talking about him. I think we've heard, heard enough about listening about him. So let's move on from that. But inducted into the Bonehead Cafe by Phil Mount Stevens is the special teams this week. God, let's can we see Devin Allen, please? Can we see Devin Allen get the ball in his hands? I'd like to see that at some point. Somebody. I don't know if that would be any better with the blocking. Like Phil says, it's just all round really shy. This is true. All right, let's get to the good part of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to start it off with... A guy I think is one of the most underrated running backs in the league. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And yes, I would give him an extension next year if he um, is continues the form that he's on and also remains healthy. And that is Bobby. Run Bobby, run Miles Sanders. He's had a career high with 143 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, even adding 17 yards in the passing game which all together set him up for 160 all-purpose yards. And it's not just about the way he played. I don't want to give all the credit to him because the offensive line did an incredible job, right? We're going to talk about the overall uh, rushing performance of the Eagles team and Jalen Hurts and all that a little bit. The offensive line did an incredible job um, in helping Miles Sanders. And when Miles Sanders was asked about his performance, the first thing he said was, a lot of the credit has to be given to the O-line. But I'm saying, Miles, take some of that credit yourself. Flex yourself out of it because you are number five running back in the league so far. You have 900 yards rushing on the ground this season, which me- which makes you fifth, right? It makes you fifth in rushing yards. You've also got eight touchdowns, Miles. Remember when people said you couldn't get any touchdowns? You've got eight so far this year through 11 games. Do you want to hear the people he's around at the moment in, in this conversation? He's ahead of Dalvin Cook. He's ahead of Jonathan Taylor. He's just behind 
Saquon Barkley, Chubb, Henry, and Jacobs. This is an elite running back performance this year by Miles Sanders. It's elite. It's, it's top five. It's top seven. It's, it's in the bracket for all of that. And if he continues to run the way he's running, then I'm paying him next year. He, he, had, a great, he had a great game today. He had a re- the, first, the first rushing touchdown he had was sensational. Um, shout out to Blaine Johnson um, for his movement on the offensive line. Broke around to the left and absolutely destroyed one of the defensive ends to allow Sanders to get through. But Sanders still had to juke twice to the left and get into the end zone. So it was a great performance by him and you know i just want to give a big shout out i mean we know who the damn right sexy is this week but any other week miles sanders is the damn right sexy so i want a big shout out to to him for his performance this week phil how did you how did you see him going there it was an outstanding performance no i'm not going to dispute that <clears throat> i just i'm just still i'm still out on whether he's going to get paid i think he, i think he will i just don't think i think it will be a compromise i think it will be um well we will want to pay you but we just can't pay you yeah team friendly deal it'd be a team friendly deal and it'd be a case of he's welcome to test free agency if he wants to and i wouldn't begrudge him doing that because i think he's 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 good enough to go somewhere and get paid but if he wants to set the eagles i just don't think the eagles will 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 pay him top running back level money especially when the draft picks we've got in the early rounds the, the the talent that's coming through you know there's every chance that we might, we might keep them around and say, right, we're going to keep you. We're going to pay you a team-friendly deal, but we're going to bring someone in who's potentially might be better than you, and you're going to have to be okay with that if you want to stay in the Eagles. So so let me throw this at you. Um, and this, this can work two ways. The offensive line. So you're Miles Sanders. You're looking at free agency. Say the Eagles win the Super Bowl this year, or they come very close to winning the Super Bowl this year. Are you going to want to go and play for a team that has a worse offensive line but take the money? Or are you going to want to stay and play for one of the best offensive lines of football and be giving yourself that opportunity to be great and earn a little bit less money? I th- I think he probably would stay. I think based on – it's there's more intangibles with the team, the ethic, the teamwork, the, the coaching, everything, the, the complete package. Yeah, I think you've, you've probably answered your own question in a way by saying, would you rather go somewhere else for the money and potentially have a worse situation? I think – Depends whether you're greedy or not, I suppose. But I don't I'm, think that question has been asked by anyone so far. No, but I think ultimately Miles seems quite a humble guy, quite a chill guy. He doesn't seem like he gets he's got particularly massive ego, but I think generally he'd be more likely to stay. But it depends how the Eagles treat him. If the, if Howie doesn't value him a way he thinks he's valued, then he could easily go somewhere else. I, it, I think he has a chip easy. on his shoulder. I think, I think I he think, has a chip on his shoulder. I think you could easily flip a coin and it could go either way, personally. Mm. Mick? Yeah, um, I said uh, consistently, sort of said that I wouldn't pay Miles at the end of the season because of you can, unfortunately, running backs aren't valued and you can just replace them. Um, especially given how talented the offensive line is. Uh, there's, no, there's no denying that he's had a, a special year um, so far, eight touchdowns. How many? You know, he's definitely on track for the thousand yards. Um, Why well, easy? He's he's not he's nine hundred already. Yeah, is he in nine hundred already? So yeah. go. Um, barring any, you know, the unforeseen injuries that, that, that may come, but uh, I think if we could get him on a team friendly deal, I'd be all for it at this point. Um, but only if it was team friendly. If he's looking to break the bank until running back money, absolutely not. It'd be thanks for your service, Miles. Um, we'll look to. 
to draft one of the someone else and probably sign the club during it in the yeah. upcoming draft. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, NFL's ruthless, isn't it? But it's absolutely ruthless. Yeah, it's a business at the end of the day, and it has to be. We've got a lot of free agents to pay this off season, and running back just can't be priority in that. And I think I'm a bit too emotional to have a to have a proper feeling on it because of that. Because Miles is, you know, Miles has always been my guy. Now my, any, now my cat's ripping up my sofa. What the hell is going on? If it was any other position, I think it would be a lot easier to answer and say, yeah, you pay him. If it's any other position having the season he's had in relative terms, you'd be paying him. And mm. Because it's a running back. And because of his injury history. Yeah, it's just, there's mm. just too, I can see how we go and I want to, but I just can't because of all these things. And you either, if you want to stay with us, it's going to be for this or nothing. Do you know what I mean? I think running backs are undervalued. I really do, and I get the industry, I get the um, the the commercial reasons, and I get the injury situations on it. I mean, look at Josh Jacobs. Um, I know we're talking about a different team here, but um, before the season, Josh, Josh Jacobs, even in fantasy leagues, was getting taken as like the running back twenty five or something ridiculous, and wasn't slated to do anything. Now I know that's because um, you know they signed Devontae Adams and they had Waller and all that kind of stuff, and um, but but no one has at any point said Josh Jacobs is an elite runner. Um, he's had good seasons or he's, he's done well. Josh Jacobs is now leading the league in rushing yards. Um, I know having 300 all-purpose yards every day helps a little bit with that, but um, I just think the value is a bit low on running backs. And I'm, I'm probably in the minority here, but, I, you know, they, they could change games. And But that's uh, precisely why another reason, it's like every reason you think for paying him is also a reason for not paying him because mm-hmm. the value is so much there, you can find anyone. True, yeah, true, true. But I think Miles Sanders is one of the most explosive running backs in the league. I mean, you know, he averages 5.1 carries this year so far. Show me many more running backs to have that stat this year. I'm not sure there are any. Mm-hmm. There probably is a couple, but there won't be many. And his, his, his I've said it a number of times, Per, you know, for his whole career, his, his yards per carry is ridiculous. You give him the snaps, which has been the problem. He hasn't had the snaps sometimes. Give him the snaps, he runs the ball, and he runs it better than most. I think he's the most underrated running back in the league, and by quite a way as well. Anyway. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Coach Singleton, Jamal Singleton. You are on the good part of the podcast this week, and that's because we just talked about it. The Eagles rushed for an astounding 363 rushing yards. That is the second most in franchise history and the most since they had 376 yards in 1948, gentlemen. That is the last time an Eagles team had this many rushing yards. 1948 against Washington. That's 74 years for those of you who can't be bothered to do the maths. Um, 49 attempts on the ground, which is ridiculous. 7.3 yards per carry, which is also fucking ridiculous. Three rushing touchdowns. Coach Singleton, I applaud you. Thank you for giving me one of the greatest running back performances of all time the day after I met you at the Novacare setting. Yeah, I'm going to throw that flex in there again. Coach, you are on the good part of the podcast for the first time. And I also just want to say what a man, what a human being, what a humble human being, and what a lovely person he is as well. Having had him on the podcast, you both know that as well. And believe it or not, in person, he's, he's even better. He's even nicer. Um, my mum, <laughs> my mum's going to listen to this podcast as well. My mum asked Coach Singleton four times if he, were, if he was ever over in Ireland, she'd happily have him around for dinner <laughs> when, when we were leaving. We didn't um, know that with you all. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, what, what, what a gentleman. Um, 
guys, and and, and I know you know that, but I just wanted to wanted to give a, a shout out to Coach because what a performance! He's no good at shaking it. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> I just had that going over and over and over in mine. I was like, he's not going to shake it. He's not going to shake it. He's not going to shake it. And I just kept my mouth shut. But uh, this is up in the floodgates. He's not going to shake it. Straight from my heart. <laughs> I, I, tr- I truly mean it. Um, wonderful gentleman. When I did say I was bringing Gail Saunders from fourth and John over, he did drop me a message back saying, You're coming as my friends, not as media personnel. <laughs> so I had to shout that one out as well. Um, but Coach Singleton presiding over the second highest rushing performance by the Eagles in their franchise history. If that doesn't get into the good of the good and the bad and them are sexy, I don't know what does for a coach. So well done. Nah, that's great. Big, big up to coach Singleton. That's can't wait to have him back on the pod. Impressive stuff. So oh, he'll be back. Don't you worry. <clears throat> we coach Singleton. The... Big shout out to Stout as well, obviously. One game coordinator. Absolutely. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, but both of them doing a fantastic job. We've talked about Stoutland lots on this podcast and what an incredible job he does and does every single week so that goes absolutely that goes without saying um all right got a couple of honorable mentions uh, before we get into the damn right sexy uh quez watkins continues to improve seeing um you know if he's seeing more reps or you see more targets as god has been gone uh, i'm sure i'm sure he is i haven't looked at those stats specifically uh, but he's taken advantage of them and that touchdown Mick reminded me of a Devontae Smith catch um, by Ooh. Quez. Catching the ball, coming back, catching the ball away from the defender, and then kind of just falling back in into, into the end zone. It, I think he's been picking up some some stuff from Devontae. How, how impressed were you with Quez? And a, a big touchdown for him on, on Sunday Night Football. I'm loving that. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the Quez touchdown. Um, my, my main man, Quez. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's good to see him get involved um, a lot more because you know the, the whole thing about the three Batman's and then a three Batman, um, and then it was sort of like well, Quez is he really a Batman? But well, last in the last, cu- the last couple of weeks, he's, he's certainly putting his name out there. Um, is he Robin? Nah, I wouldn't put him in the ro- in the Robin category. That's just a bit harsh, I think. But uh, <laughs> to be fair, I think he's probably his points. Has he played DJ Brown in the last couple of games? I would say he has. He probably has. Um, if you include the fumbles, yeah. And for the value, what was he a sixth round pick as well? And he's he's only getting better. I think he's he's got a good work ethic. We've seen um, how raw a talent he was when he first came in, and he's, he's yeah, he's always been fast. He's had the measurables, but you know his route run running wasn't great. Um, his hands weren't. weren't weren't great either, but you know, must have been on the jugs machine, must have been um getting tips off Devontae, getting tips off AJ Brown. You know, those three guys will be working together all summer. <clears throat> um so it's, it's it's now paying dividends, he's getting his chance that uh Dallas Goddard isn't there taking up the his well the, the Dallas Goddard share of the snaps because Jack Stall certainly isn't getting them or you know Gant Calcaterra there's uh, I'm I'm sort of I'm 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 out on Grant Calcaterra. Um, I know it's early to say something like that, but I think I'm out on both of them. To be honest, did you see the um, sack that um that um Jack Stoll lit up against uh, Hertz on yeah. the left hand side next yeah. to my ladder? It was it was <clears throat> dreadful. So uh, maybe to end something we'll look at the draft in once, but yeah, yeah, impressed with Quiz. As hope hopefully it continues. Do you want to feel old, Mick? Do you want to feel old for a second? Oh, I always feel old. I feel old every day. 
Jim, 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 was it? Quez Watkins was born in 1998. Oh, for Christ's sake. Last time Scotland qualified for a World Cup. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, France 98, I remember. I watched the Mallorca. That was uh, my, kind of my first proper foray into, into a World Cup. Um, what age were you? About seven? I was, I was seven. Yeah, you're right. just a pop as well. Uh, well. At least I wasn't born in 98. That'd be a different message. Nah, that's true. <laughs> Good stuff. And over uh, honorable mention, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but I just want to touch on it again. But the, the offensive line blasted holes open all over the fields. Um, you know, I think like they've done every game. I don't think they were spectacular this game compared to other games. I think a lot of the a lot of plays were made by um, Jalen and and Sanders with their legs and they're duking and and they're they're you know missing missing tackles and and that kind of stuff um, but they but they continue to have a good day. I just want to give a shout out to Lane Johnson. Just to uh, go on. Phil. Sorry, just to touch on that one. It's not on not on this piece performance, but I think it really is worth noteworthy. Um guess he was on players lounge this week for the GoBird slash WIP. If you you might I think Mick knows already. Lane Johnson? No, Jordan Mylata. Uh... Really worth checking out. Purely because he obviously covers that horrific performance that he had where he yeah, let up two, two sacks. sacks yeah. um, just shows the accountability um, and the fact that the whole team and just Stoutland and, and, and the unit that got going there. But more importantly, he's he, he, a really good point. I'm probably, spoiler alert, you know, the main reason I enjoyed the interview is that he, he mentioned how after he did it, he knew that it was on him and he knew that he'd fucked up. And he went back to the sideline and he was just preparing to get chewed out by Jalen Hurts. Um, and he was sort of like going on a sulking little shoulder, head between his shoulders, expecting for, for Hurts to sort of like blank him to just, you know, give him some dirty looks. But no, all he said to him was, just give me a second, dude. Just give me a second. Just give me one more second. You know, as if to say, next drive, just make sure you give me that second and I'll, I'll make it work. You know, it just speaks volumes. Obviously for Hertz particularly, but it, but in general for, for my life, you know, the guy who's come over from a completely different sport, not that long ago, mm. come in. He's had he barely had learned argue, the game. Argue, argue, yeah, barely learned the game. Arguably he had his worst game in the Eagles uniform. And it's just it just speaks volumes in all areas. And I just wanted to make sure that as part of the O-line got mentioned. Yeah, no, I like like that, Phil. Really good, really good addition. And go and check out the uh, Go Birds podcast, of course. A fantastic podcast with ESP and Co. Um, yeah, and just to, just to finish that off uh, with my Lane Johnson shout out. He hasn't he hasn't allowed a sack in two years, two full calendar years. Phenomenal start out. Has not allowed a sack. Uh, Jason Kelsey went out injured for a little part of the game again. Came back in. <laughs> he does every single time. I didn't actually notice that, did he? I saw it live happen. Yeah, it was just a couple of plays. They might not mention on TV, but he came out. He came out for two snaps, maybe three snaps. Um, oh God, I really hope I'm not wrong now on the snap cam, but I'm 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 99 sure he did. Was that Cam Jurgens coming in straight in? Was it? You're gonna have to. You, you guys are gonna have to go check it out and call me out on this. But I'm 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 pretty sure Kelsey was out for a couple of snaps, and people are saying, "Oh no, he's down injured." Um, while I was in the stand, so go and check that one out for me while we move on to the next part of the podcast. Sorry, quickly before you do. If you haven't listened to the New Heights podcast with Patrick Mahomes, it is brilliant. Oh, the one with uh, the Kelsey brothers. The Kelsey brothers interviewing yeah. um, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I, I'm, it's absolutely, it's so many nuggets in there. Brilliant. 
Love that. All right, a couple more honorable mentions. Reed Blankenship, his first ever target in the NFL, and he gets an interception against Patrick Rogers. And then for the rest of the game... Patrick Rogers. He's a golfer. Jesus, Mary Joseph. (laughs) Aaron Rogers. If any of you don't know who Patrick Rogers is, he's a golfer on the PGA Tour. Um, That went in and out. She was talking about Mahomes. I think it's me saying Mahomes. Amazing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, first ever interception on uh, his first ever target in the NFL against Aaron Rodgers. What a guy. Uh, he must be feeling right now. And kudos for him getting a game ball from Nick Sirianni. Don't know if you guys caught the Nick Sirianni speech after the game. It was uh, one to definitely watch if you haven't. Go and check it out. That was the best speech of the season, that one. Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, we won't spoil it, but go, go, and, go and watch the uh, Sirianni. Uh, post-game speech it was it was really really something special and you know everything that's coming out of the organization is that um blanket chip's been really really good in 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 training and he's been exceptionally well on knowing what to do so studying and his football iq is really really good now look he's a walk-on uh, rookie so we're not expecting him to come in and fill the boots of cj gardner johnson who leads the league in interceptions and is an absolute star so much so that we not might not be able to afford him next year, um, but it's it's a good sign. I mean, if you're going to look at your your star safety going down, and you get your rookie coming in and making an interception and not going to target at all game. What more can you ask for? So he has to be on a good part of the podcast. So uh, looking forward to see what Reed can do um, moving forward. Last thing I want to say, being there live, there was two or three, and I cannot remember which ones they were. And uh, there were two or three plays where we had Packers on third down and. The crowd got so loud at the link that it was unquestionable that they caused um, them not to get the third, them not to get the third downs and a turnover and a turnover and downs. The crowd was unbelievable at the link while I was there against the Packers, especially when it needed them to be. So, what that means to me, I mean, you say well, whatever, what that's everywhere. No, what that means to me is it's imperative that the Eagles get the first seed. It's imperative that the Eagles go through the link. Because if they go through the link, you're adding another star to that team, and that is the fans. So it's important that we get that number one, number one seed. All right, we're gonna take a short break, um, and then we're gonna be back for the damn right section. Speech in a minute. We are sponsored by Passion Avenue, London's premier NFL and Eagles dive bar, for all your Philadelphia sports needs. And if you're missing out on those cheesesteaks, those wings or some nice cold American IPAs, make sure you get down to Patrick Avenue. They've got three bars in London, in Stratford, in Fitzrovia, and their premium flagship bar in Waterloo, Leak Street, in the Waterloo Arches. We've already hosted a watch along there so far this season, and the Phillies are currently playing in the World Series, so if you have time to get down there, they're open late to go and watch the games. They are our premier sponsor. And if you are a member of the British and Irish Eagles, you get 20% off food and drink at Passion Avenue. So what are you waiting for? Get down there and go cheer the birds. All right, we're back. And as if you haven't heard enough promotion talk in the last 60 seconds, uh, we also want to remind you guys, we're doing a watch along next week at Passion Avenue, which you just heard about on the 11th of December against the Giants. You have a butcher place so far, please drop us a DM on Twitter at British Eagles or email us 
um, or message us personally or send us a feckin' pigeon, whatever you want to do, <laughs> drop us a WhatsApp note. Um, let us know if you want to come along and we'll make sure we book you guys a seat. Uh, and we'll all be watching together as we beat the, Dal the Dallas, the Dallas, the Giants, as we beat Daniel Jones's Giants, because he is terrible and hopefully he'll be the first of two. Anyway, enough of that stuff. Hopefully we'll see you there if you can come. Let's get into the damn right sexy, folks. And it's been three weeks since I said the damn right sexy. And that feels good to me. And he feels even better because the damn right sexy this week is Jalen Hurts. My guy, Jalen. Oh, my God. Right, give me a couple of minutes, guys. Go get your drinks. Go get your whiskeys. You need to go and check on the baby, Phil. Whatever you need to do. I'm locking right in right now. <clears throat> All right. Why is Jalen Hurts the damn right sexy this week? Because he is leading the MVP race, in my opinion. Asterisks right there. But a lot of people are saying he's leading the MVP race. And what a game he had. Let's talk about the game he had first. Then we'll get into the reasons why he is leading the MVP race. Jalen went 16 of 28 for 153 yards. That doesn't sound like much, I know. But he had two touchdowns. And he again had zero interceptions. That means he's only had three interceptions so far this year on 11 games. He had 107.1 passer rating. And he had 157 yards on 17 carries through the ground. And that's the real story of why Jalen had an incredible game against the Packers. Let's get into some of those stats, all right? He had over 100 yards in the first quarter on the ground. Yes, I said over 100 yards on the ground in the first corner for a quarterback. That's never happened in NFL history. Park that one right there. Some more stats we talked about a second ago. Uh, well, actually, we talked about something else a second ago, but um, Jalen Hurts, first quarterback in NFL history to rush for 150 yards and throw multiple touchdowns in a regular season win. No one in the NFL has done this. Not Lamar, not Cunningham, not Vic. Back to the game. In that first quarter, those 100 rushing yards we just talked about. The stadium was bouncing. There was Jalen cheers. There was Hurts cheers. I was on my mum's shoulders. Uh, maybe different way around. And <laughs> those three of those rushing plays, 28 yards, 24 yards, and 43 yards. That sounds impressive, right? Do you know what's more impressive? They were all on third downs. He made all those plays on third downs. So you talk about throwing the pressure back on the defense when you're on offense. That's what Jalen did to start the game. Defense let him down a little bit, and special teams let him down a little bit, which we've talked about. That pass to Quez Watkins was sex on legs. It was a perfectly thrown ball to his back shoulder, allowed Quez to come back to the ball and take it in for a touchdown. We talked about Quez making a great play on the ball, but he was only able to make that great play on the ball because of what Jalen did. Come towards the end of the game. It's 27 to 20 to the Eagles. We're on third down. We need to get a touchdown to ice the game. It turned out to be a very important touchdown, given we only won by seven points. Third and 12, Devontae Smith. Hertz rolls out, throws to his left. Smith with the catch gets over the first line mark. Straight after this play, throws a dart. A.J. Brown on the sideline across to the right. 
Jalen Hurts is the guy. We say it every week. What a stellar performance by Jalen Hurts. He is the leading MVP candidate, if you ask me. Other than that stat I just threw at you about him being the first quarterback in NFL history to rush for 150 and throw multiple touchdowns. He's not just a rusher, guys. He has 17 touchdown passes and three interceptions this year. He's only the 13th quarterback in NFL history with at least 17 passing touchdowns and three or fewer interceptions through 11 games. Another NFL history stack, guys. I'm not talking about the Eagles. I'm not talking about the NFC East. I'm not talking about this year, the season. I'm talking about any team in history. Shout out to Ruben Frank for that stat. With six games left, he's on pace for just under 4,000 passing yards, just over 900 rushing yards, 26 passing touchdowns, four interceptions, 12 rushing touchdowns, and 105.6 passer rating. Nobody has ever done that in NFL history. Are you listening to me? In NFL history, guys, I'm not talking about what I just explained a second ago. This guy is doing stuff that no one has ever done. He has 600 rushing yards. Do you want to hear some of the guys who he's ahead of in rushing yards this season who aren't quarterbacks? Montgomery. Zeke Elliott. Feed the beast. Fuck the beast. Najee Harris. Supposed to be the second coming of Christ. No, he doesn't have a great offensive line this year, but Jalen Hurts is leading them all in rushing yards. Give this guy the MVP. I'm ready. I'm there. Boys, are you braver? Someone jump in. Hi. Um, what more can you say? You you, you put it so eloquently. We, <clears throat> the two weeks I was hosting, we did make a, a specific point of, of skirting over because we knew that as soon as we were back, we'd get a nice little <laughs> twenty minute monologue. Um, but justifiably so. I mean, this was his best game, and it sort of feels like it can't be overstated how much that was such an epic game. Um, how much to the first quarter stats that you mentioned alone. The overall stats, the MVP stats, the fact that, you know, the the NFL history stats that you're reeling out, like this guy just isn't, is not getting enough credit. He just isn't. And and this is not me turning into Lee and this is me just putting the recognition where it deserves in the sense that, like, if any other player was doing this, they def- they'd definitely be getting a lot more credit for it. And I think there are a few people coming around to it, but there's still people joking about him being a running back and yeah so what he's one of the best running backs on the on the planet but he's also our quarterback and he can pass it pretty damn well as well he's got a higher completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes this year and apparently he's a running back and ultimately my biggest fear is that he'll probably end up losing to someone like Mahomes um because of some bullshit reason but and if he does it he doesn't does. matter. Yeah, but it, yeah. If he does, yeah, if he does, he does. It doesn't matter to me because I think ultimately we know how good he is. And to turn the clocks back 12 months and we were sort of saying, you know, if Hurst can be the guy and we don't have to spend a draft pick on a new quarterback, how great will our situation be? Well, this is definitely better than what that situation mm-hmm. could be. And and I'm trying not to go too all glassy-eyed, full of red wine um, over this. But I'm with you, Liam. I'm with you. He, he's... I don't have any particular areas of concern. I feel like every time he pulls out these performances, we run out of superlatives. We can only talk about them so long. And I, and I, and I know I'm, I'm dragging this out a lot further. And I know Mick's probably going to want to jump in as well and, and 
blow smoke up his backside as well. But um, it's the right time to. It's the right it, time to. He deserves it. He's cons- it's consistency above all else for me. He's not had a poor, poor game. Every time there's been a poor Eagles game, it's not been because of him. Every time they've had a good game, it's because of him. And I think that's what you need to really say. He's he's a 57% completion percentage, right? This game just gone by, which is one of the worst he's had this season. Doesn't matter when he runs for 160 yards on the ground and, and makes plays when they matter, Mick. He, well, he's flexible. Yeah, he's definitely flexible. Yeah, he's not moved out of the, the good column this season. Um, season unless to move into the damn right sexy call. Nice. Um, Good stat. So, I mean, well, what more can you say about the guy? I just, I even to, to play on the field is obviously the most important thing, but as Phil sort of alluded to earlier uh, um, with the Jordan Mailata interview, it's all the stuff that he does behind the scenes that you don't normally see. It makes him such a great leader. Um, even just call back to like looking at see if you look around the league and look at some of the quarterbacks um, and how they act and react um, to to adversity and mm-hmm. you know just nonsense. Kyler like, Murray, Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, look at K- Kyler Murray. He throws his toys out of pram all the time. You look at Lamar Jackson. He called. What did he say on Twitter? He said he told someone to suck a dick or something. So, like yeah, that. he told someone to eat a dick, which is obviously yeah. you know you know. <laughs> That's that's what you want. We all know what that is. I mean, you don't want your franchise quarterback arguing with people on Twitter. All that says to me is that Lamar Jackson. Even Tannehill, when he was, um, you know, when he was asked about Malik Willis coming behind him, and then he sort of threw a strop about that. Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, when asked. Patrick Rogers. Um, if, If the game was on him, if he if he had a bad game, he said, you know, it wasn't on him. And you don't get that from Jalen. None of nope. that. None of that. All you get from Jalen is plain sailing on the x-axis. Jalen does not give a fuck. But behind the behind the scenes, he's the leader of men. He's the leader of this team, and it's it's fantastic stuff. It's great to see, and I, I love it. That's that's my quarterback. My man. My man. I don't know if we can say any more than that, Jalen. You are the damn right sexy this week, and you are a sexy motherfucker as well. All right, let's move on to the next part of the podcast. We are going to do a preview of the Titans. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, take it away. Mick, I'm going to stay with you. Titans are coming off a loss to the Bengals 20-16 to in Nashville. Henry was limited to only 38 yards. Jeez, I'm reading this now, and I can't believe it. 2.2 yards average. He's had three um, games in a row where he's been kept to under 100 yards. And... Um, <clears throat> He amassed some yards in the passing game, but that's not what we're worried about. So let's just get straight into it, Mick. And uh, Eagles run defense versus Derrick Henry. Uh, import, important to note they're, they're playing at the link this weekend, so that obviously gives us a bit of a, a bump. Um, how, do you, how do you see the Eagles run going against Derrick Henry this week, given he's not had the best few weeks? Yeah, I mean, before I go into that, I was sitting pondering this game earlier when I was writing up the, the, the pod notes. And I thought to myself, is this going to be the week where I take a where I take an L on the predictions part of it? Thinking, you know, it's going to come at some point. The Titans are a good team, run heavy team, run first team. We seem to struggle with that this year. So they've got a leap back. And then I started looking at it a bit further. And then sort of came to the conclusion of the Titans really just the giants of the AFC. 
I uh, I the think only that's... win the only win this with with a team that are over five hundred this season are against Washington. It's the only team with a winning record that they've beaten, beaten this season. Do you have who else they've their... beaten there? Do you have who else they've beaten there? I'll take a look <sighs> while you're while you're having to think about it. Anyway. Oh sure, but they don't have a winning record anyway. Um, mm. they're well coached team with an elite running back. That's the the Giants comparison that I've got just now. I think yeah, it's a fair call. They're still punching above their weight at the moment, and I, th- I think Philadelphia have a very very strong chance of sweeping the AFC South this year. Um, I was, if I had more time, going to look back and see if we've ever swept the AFC South um, or when the last time was. If someone who's listening to the pod checks that out, send me a tweet. <laughs> I'd like to know. Someone in the group chat who listens to this pod maybe finds out, let me know. But I think that would be interesting. Um, anyway, I digress. So, it's a good point. It's a good point. I'm just looking at some of the results here this 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 year so far, and um, they lost to the Giants. Yeah, they lost forty-one-seven against the Bills. Got hammered by the Bills. We've beaten t- a team has beaten the Bills. Mm. They just beat the Raiders. <clears throat> they beat the Colts by seven. They only beat the Commanders by four. Obviously, we lost the Commanders. Commodores, as it was called, by we also uh, beat the Commanders, so we're one, it, we're one and one. The Commanders. Just, just want to say, when I was in, when I was in Eagles, when I was in Philadelphia, they don't call them the Commanders; they call them the Commodores. Literally, every person I spoke to them called them Commodores. <laughs> I think everyone's got a different name for them, don't they? So, <laughs> commies, other people say Red Hogs, don't they? Shout out to the technically a promotion. The promotion. Com- All right, here a we com- go. A Commodore is above a Commander. Doctor so you know. Phil is turning to uh, War, Listen, War Phil. Yeah. Navy Phil. Navy <laughs> Phil. Oh, we got Bo- we got Bodie on the podcast. We got a third host of the podcast. Hey, Bodie, how's he doing? He's all right. Yeah, he's just uh, he's had a bit of a nap and he's woken up. He's just joined me. I'm just giving him giving the missus a bit of a break. He looks like his eyes are wide. Open. Yeah, he's just woken up. He might start crying in a minute, but it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, he wants. He wants to know what this Eagles run is going to do against Derek Henry. <laughs> exactly. Just, just continuing on there, they, they lost to the Chiefs by three. Uh, they beat the Broncos by seven. They beat the Packers by ten. They lost to the Bengals by four. And then they played the Eagles, which they're going to lose by 20. Uh, I, I'm sorry, did I just give away my prediction? Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, go on then. Go on then. Go on then, Mick. Uh, what's the Eagles run defense going to do against Derek Henry? Well, it depends which. Eagles defense turns up on the day. Will it be the the run stuffing behemoth that we saw in Indianapolis, where uh, Sue and Vanville uh, Joseph just stopped the run, um, uh, stopped Jonathan Taylor in his tracks? He didn't do much on the day, um, nope. or is it? Or are we going to revert to um, the way our run defense was uh, only? a few weeks ago on how it's sort of played out this whole season, um, or at least since Jordan Davis went down with, with his injury. So this could be the game. Where he, Jonathan, trained, he trained today, Jordan Davis. Jonathan Davis returns to, to action. So the 21-day practice period has been activated. Um, and like you said, he was on the practice field today um, doing some drills. Uh, we'll see. It'll probably be some sort of game time decision. I think they have until Saturday to active to like to officially activate them off of IR. 
um, well, to elevate them off of fire, going back on the 53-man roster. So we'll see come Saturday if the Philadelphia Eagles feel strongly enough uh, that we need them for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's always a risk if, if you've got a player just coming back from injury, do you throw him directly at Derek Henry? I'm not, not so sure not about me, that. Not me personally, no. I'm not sure about that either. So it's, 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 it's especially it's, uh, not with the acquisitions. It feels like an unnecessary risk given we're 10 and 1 and looking at the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, this you know, Derek Henry, everyone listening to this pod knows Derek Henry. They know who he is, they know what he's capable of. He's, he has the ability just to put an offense on his back and take command of a game. He's accounted for 60 points on his own this season, 60. None of our players have, have accounted for 60 points. Jake Elliott is probably the closest thing. You know, that's the guy kicking the field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already over 1,000 yards this season, 95.3 yards per game, 4.2 average per carry um, with 10 touchdowns. And yep. looking at our team, you know, Eagles give up 4.6 yards to running backs this season. Mm-hmm. Um Pointing out last week against the Packers, they held Jones to three yards per carry. Have a mm-hmm. matched up on Dylan, who's the much bigger, stronger, like Henry, yeah. <laughs> back. Um, they allowed eight yards per carry and a touchdown on him. So, mm-hmm. um, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure, and probably the one that everyone will be, will be looking at and targeting. Yeah, but before we go on, Mick, do you, do you think this is? Is this the tightest game you felt about before we go into it this season of every game we've played so far? Or would you say Dallas? Well, we were playing against Cooper Rush, but Dallas or the Vikings, are, they're probably the two of us that come to mind for me. Would you say this is the toughest matchup the Eagles have so far this season? I mean, it could be. I think, like I said at the start of the segment, before I started looking into it and looked at the matchups and looked at the Titans looked at their injury report, you know, looked, looked at their defensive line units, looked at their cornerback units. Mm. It's made me grow in confidence. That's why I was comparing yeah. them to the Giants. I know they're mm. well coached and they've got a couple of key players, but they're still missing a lot. And Philadelphia easily have the better team on paper and we should be beating the Titans. I know it's, it's the NFL and anyone can beat anyone. But like you said, um, Definitely apprehensive about going into the game, but it's at home, and I feel like we have the matchups in our favor across the board. I like that. Let's talk about some more matchups then. Let's talk about the uh, Eagles receivers versus the Titan cornerbacks. I'll take this one away, Mick. Uh, you know, in recent years, Tennessee have <sighs> taken a few shots at cornerback uh, in the draft. Drafted Roger McCreary from Auburn in the second round. Drafted uh, Caleb Farley. I remember I remember a few of us had Caleb Farley going to the Eagles, right? Um, in, in the first round and, and, and Elijah yeah, Molden in the third round. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say on the on the Farley thing, it was between Farley, Sertan, and uh, JC Horn, the mm-hmm. top three quarter, uh, corners coming in there. The other that, two have done a lot better. <laughs> they have. Unfortunately, Farley is, is, you know, he got that injury before the draft and then that's how he ended up falling down um, multiple draft boards and he was picked up by the Titans eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can't see me get off that injury table. He's still injured just now. It's just, ah, this is complete. This is a complete segue. So apologies. <laughs> but 
it, it seems like a lot of players that fall down the draft board on draft day, they all end up being right. Now, I know it's early into Nicobe Dean's see, well, his career, I should say. We've only seen him jump out on special teams a couple of times. We've seen him nowhere near the starters, basically all year so far. Caleb Farley dropped down. I'm not, I'm not asking for an answer here. I'm not asking for a, a conversation. I think it's just an observation that maybe we need to pick up in the offseason when we're looking at the draft and um, stocks and stocks going up and down because stocks to go up. It's like a horse race. All right. You see a horse that goes in from 20 to eight, 20 to one to eight to one. People are lumping on for a reason. You know, people aren't stupid, you know, otherwise they would have all lumped on a 30 to one, 20 to one, you know, way before. Yeah. They're lumping on for a reason. Uh, interesting thing, I think, for us to pick up in the off season when we're looking at um, capital that's uh, rising and falling because they clearly know what they're talking about. Um, right. So, yeah, just, just continuing on the Eagles re- receivers versus the Titans cornerbacks. Um, in 2020, Tennessee selected Christian Fulton out of LSU in the second round. So all in all, we're looking at all these picks and these shots they're taking, Mick, and it's fair to say it's a very young cornerback room. Uh, we've seen in recent times they've struggled in one-on-one matchups on the outside, which if you look at our receiving core and you look at A.J. Brown, this is something that perhaps the Eagles could exploit. I mean, uh, Devontae Smith's great on the outside for, for, for a skinny a skinny wide receiver, you know, his radius is incredible. He gets the feet in bounds where you don't believe he's going to get the feet in bounds. We've seen that multiple times this year so far. Not only that, but the Titans allow a quarterback rating of 104.1 when defending wide receivers. Um, I'm looking at this and, I'm, you know, we're going to talk about the Titans' rush defense in a second and why that's a, why that's a problem. This Eagles team is flexible. They can beat you everywhere. And I think we can maybe see the Eagles beating them through the air this weekend, Mick. Yeah, and that's that's why I was saying to you that the, the matchups seem favourable. Talk about the, the, the three starting the cornerbacks, you know, we're talking about Fulton, we're talking about McCreary, we're talking about Molden. These three guys have only been in the year uh, in the league, either this is their first year in the league, second year, or their second year in the league. That's it. Um, they, they don't have, they're still learning. They're still mm-hmm. finding finding their way, and, and they seem to be struggling. Like you said, that quarterback rating uh, against the wide receivers is, is no joke. Um, and Ours then, is 68, by the way. Just to put it in yeah. context, 104 uh, versus 68. We had the lowest in the league. And then when you put up, like you said, I know we wrote down uh, A.J. Brown could have a big day. He's our big-bodied wide receiver, make contested catches over at the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll and let's face it, this is AJ Brown redemption game, isn't it? It's, um, hey, trail on Burks against his former team. He'll he'll be wanting to get on the score sheet mm-hmm. um, and obviously make up for the, the couple of fumbles he's had in the last game. Do you, as think, well, do you but, think this is the kind of game? Just on that point, Mick, because I think a very good point you just made. Do you think this is the kind of game where Sirianni goes, "We're going to AJ for for all of those reasons"? He seems like the kind of coach and character who. You know when Devonte Smith um, didn't have a, you know, didn't have many catches in the first couple of games, and then they made a point of going to Devonte every time and give him his big game. Do you, do you reckon Sirianni's going to be like? Do you reckon you know, that's a, a very game? good point? Mm-hmm. That's a very good point because that's Sirianni's mo. Exactly. Um, so yeah, a couple of fumbles. I, I wouldn't be, back I wouldn't to be back surprised weeks. if he tries to force the issue. Um, yeah. Just yeah. 
just so he can get Avery AJ Brown some some uh, <laughs> redemption. Uh, but, 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 but like, like he got against the Colts. <laughs> we gonna, he, you know, uh, he was loving that. He was loving that. Are we? Are we? Do we? Do we now know what the uh, the wide receiver highest yards is going to be on the uh, predictions later on in, <laughs> in a few minutes? I think maybe we do. <laughs> All right, Phil, bring you in. Uh, so the final, the final part. Obviously, we've we've talked about the Eagles' run defense versus Derrick Henry, which you know is going to be huge. The, the receivers for the Eagles versus the uh, Tennessee Titans cornerbacks. Another big one is going to be the Eagles offensive line versus the Titans defensive line, because they do have a good defensive line, the Titans. Um, Phil, if you want to take us away on that one. And five pounds for being on mute. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. I changed, in case you guys didn't notice, you can tell that the, the quality of the sound audio for me has changed halfway through the pod because <laughs> I had some audio difficulties and I've got the, the little mute button the wrong way around on my new microphone. You're all good. You're so all I'm good, passing bro. the excuses at getting them in early. Um, no, two two very, very good performing units. So the Eagles O-line, as we, we touch on regularly and we've already touched on this pod, are a huge asset to the team mm-hmm. for Hurts, for the running game, for every aspect of it. Having a good offensive line is is key key to to winning like any Pro game. Bowl players, right? Most of them will be Pro Bowl, you mm-hmm. know, quality players by the end of the season, I think. Um, but the the Titans' defensive line is also pr- pretty good um, in terms of in terms of the stat lines. The Titans just allow three point eight yards per carry to running backs this season. Um, although Sanders has averaged 5.1, um, is that going to be toned down a little bit because of facing a, a sort of slightly superior defensive line? I think ultimately we're always going to back our offensive line. So I'm always going to go with, it doesn't matter. Our offensive line is more than capable of handling that. And and what sort of level of offensive lines has the, 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 the Titans faced this season? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we mm-hmm. touched it and then sort of are the Titans the, uh, the giants of the of the AFC South. So, um, I think I, I like that. I like that. It's going to be we're better. We're better than you approach. If you if if you know what I mean. Like our offensive line is better than yours. I'm backing you. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. So essentially, what I'm saying is that how how inf- you know it, are the Titans' defensive line stats inflated because of the oppositions they faced versus are the well they played line- the pa- they played the Packers who have a terrible offensive line. They beat them. They played the Bengals. They lost to them. Their offensive line is not very good. Uh, they beat the Broncos. I don't know much about the Broncos' offensive line. To be fair, they lost to the Chiefs. Their offensive line is good. I'm um, not trying to. I'm not trying to dismiss it too much. I think ultimately. Oh no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. If you've got, you got good stats, then you've got good stats. But what I'm saying is, if you, if you're trying to say that the, the the Titans' defensive line is going to be their area of um, attack or you know their way in to sort of nullify us, then I'm not not overly concerned because I feel like. Our offensive line is so elite that you know we could face any defensive line and we'd 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 reasonably overcome them. But um, but yeah, I think ultimately there's a couple of injuries on their side. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is carrying an ankle, an ankle knock, um, and the Eagles' offensive line doesn't have any injuries and has managed to stay relatively fit all season. So I think that's all that needs to be said, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, an important matchup, and it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line play against them. 
it's going to be it's going to be a really big matchup. I and mean, you talked about Sanders being five point one yards per carry. Obviously, we've heard four point seven yards per carry. And I, I'm not sure the Titans have come up against a team who have that dual threat ability on the, on on the on the rushing game. Obviously, with the the passing game we've talked about already, but the rushing game is going to be important for the Eagles when they come up against Tennessee Titans. All right, guys, let's get into predictions part of the podcast. We talked about matchups. We talked about how well I did um, last week against the Packers. You've all listened to me flex about my time in Philadelphia, so apologies for that. What's going to happen? Um, Phil, you run this part of the podcast, so take us away whenever you are ready, sir. I run the whole podcast for the last few weeks, at least. Um, <laughs> I love this bit because I'm I'm incredibly terrible at it. As is evident by the uh, recent scores, if I if I just quickly it's not too those. bad. Go on, you do this. You could go. On. Give us the overall scores. So currently we are 23, 24, and twenty one. Two guesses as to who's on the twenty one. Yes, it's me. Um, <laughs> still languishing two points behind. I've been unable to claw that back. You stayed in it though. My, I'm going to put my protest out there early. I feel like the outside the boxes are getting a little bit more. <laughs> less outside of the box and more slightly on the periphery of the line of the box um, <laughs> because of the competitive nature of the, the picks that we're, we're being. But protest over, on with the picks. <laughs> going to call anyone out on that one? You gonna get up? You gonna call no, you guys have had some good weeks and I can't, I can't argue with the stats. I mean, Mick has just, Mick's deserved to be in the lead, picking uh, Quez Watkins and um, Boston Scott, was it? So 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 yeah. Mick Mick this week had Gainwell as the first Gain. rushing touchdown. Oh, no, no, yeah. Gainwell and um, and the win and the win and uh, wet, wet. no, but he's had uh, he's had Gainwell and Watkins as the first touchdowns on consecutive. Oh, weeks. that's not bad. That's pretty good actually. And that, that's what I mean. I think that's pretty if, good. Yeah. That's that's why he's in the league. It'd be good to put it on Sky Bear. That'll be better. Start doing that. I think we said we need to start. <laughs> well, we did it in the first season. We did it in the first season. Well, I got. I, I always maintain that I have got Quez Watkins uh, touchdown against the Saints last Saints. Yeah. Season at eight, about twelve to one. So nice. I'll, I'll, I'll ride that one till the cows come home. But anyway, <laughs> let's get on with the predictions. Um, first Are you second. sure? Are you sure? We we can talk some more. No, I feel like I <laughs> I've said enough. Um, first touchdown scorer. Um, I'm going to go first with this one to give you Ooh, guys a chance okay. to prepare. Yeah. All right, but, and it's already been touched on. I think that the narrative of the podcast um, it's an AJ Brown redemption game. Um, it's got to be. It's just got to be. He's 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 had a few fumbles. He had the illness. If I think I know AJ Brown, I think he's going to want to be coming into this game. A oh, because yeah. of the Titans, and B because he's he, he knows he's had a few poor performances in the last few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. It's got to be AJ Brown. And yep. if you guys go anything for anything others, then you're just you're just silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's next? You decide. Oh, Nick, go on then. Um, I'm going to be silly this week. <laughs> you're always silly, but you're always right, apparently. <laughs> oh, I've looked deep in my crystal balls. Um, <laughs> I've seen I them. They're not crystal. They're glittery. I've dipped them in glitter, <laughs> especially for you. <laughs> this uh, is a CD part of the podcast, guys. <laughs> no one listens to this. Oh, fine. Sponsored by Vaseline. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go with Zach Pascal. I think it's something. Oh, I think he goes three out of three. Yeah, I was about to say. I had a had a really sneaking suspicion that you'd have to go for Pascal because he's the only outside the box receiver to go. <laughs> um, Liam, what's your? Uh... I'm gonna go Jalen Hurts just because I'm not gonna go uh, AJ Brown. I'm gonna Jalen Hurts says. He's, Would you he, have gone AJ Brown if I hadn't gone? AJ no, Brown? I, no, no, no. I, I was not going to go AJ Brown for, for first touchdown score. I was tempted to go Kenneth Gainwell again, um, even though well, not that I went, but he, he obviously scored the first touchdown this week. But I had to go Jalen Hurts. He didn't have a rushing touchdown performance behind 150 plus yards. So I'm going to I'm going to say he um, jumps in for a score this week. There's never two in a row. Don't yeah. back down. Double down. Double down. AJ Brown for the most receiving yards for me, guys. So, uh, Liam, over to you. Yeah, I'm not going to be silly here. Uh, no point in me chatting all this shite and I'm not backing it up. I'm going AJ Brown, most receiving yards this week. Give me a break, man. <laughs> I will be contrarian. Smith? I'm, I'm going to go for Devontae Smith. I know AJ Brown will talk to death about him, but, you know, we, th- 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 I think they go to Smith quite a lot on those like, comeback curl routes. They do on the perimeter, and that, that could be quite a key matchup for. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, the, if it wasn't the Titans, I probably would be going with Smith as well. I just, I'm just going with this narrative that it's an AJ Brown redemption game against his team that wouldn't refuse to pay him. He's got a point to prove. He's going to be demanding that ball. Oh, um, he is. He is. Moving on to rushing yards. Now, this is a difficult one because 380. Yeah. I'm joking, by the way. That's not another As silly as it is, you're making a valid point. They're coming off at a huge rushing performance, but obviously, as we've touched on, the defensive line against the rushing has only allowed 3.8 yards per carry. So are the Eagles going to be the exception, or are they going to be falling in line with the rest of them, Liam? Oh, you go to me because you want to know where to go. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's why you're doing it. I'm going to go 135 yards. <laughs> 135. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you can nice. see that on the screen. 135. <laughs> oh, doubled up. Oh, that means <laughs> oh that's friend. what you picked? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's three points for me based on a 50-50 uh, No, yeah. Phil, Phil gets to choose another one. No, no, no. That's what you, you're for. in for 135? And 135. Oh, well, if I was given a chance, I'd go again. Well, to be honest, I mean, uh, I don't think right, we no, have no. the same because then, no, because right, then go. you're just, yeah. Okay, Mick, you go first while I decide whether I'm going to go higher or lower. <laughs> um, I've not really thought about it. So, the what's the average on the Titans? So, the Titans rush defense only give up 84 yards on average, 84.5, right? Third in the NFL, but they are missing key personnel in that defensive line. I'm going to go for. Hundred and God, this is difficult. Hundred. The Eagles average one hundred and fifty-eight. I know, man, but that 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 last game will skew those numbers ridiculously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll one twenty. Okay, fine, conservative. Well, I'm clearly going to get boxed in. I don't really don't know. Gamesmanship tells me I should go one three six. But I mean, that will be come on. But my head, no, no, <laughs> but my head tells me that it's not going to be over. You're talking, miles. you're talking game theory, not gamesmanship. Gamesmanship would be nice and being doing and doing 150. <laughs> Sorry, 
let me get my thesaurus out and make sure I've got the uh, the right description <laughs> whisper. It. Um, I'm gonna go one ten. Oh, mm. well, I have to say I'm very happy with this outcome. Uh, what's next? I'm disappointed. Uh, we are. <laughs> I'm boxing you in, mate. You're the leader. You're the guy. That, you're uh, the, yeah, you're, yeah. See, you're that's the, game theory right there. That's game theory right you're there. You're the, the leader. Oh, okay, so I'm the egos of the group then. I'm yeah. the yeah. the you got uh-huh. me not coffee perch. Um, we are on to sacks, guys. This is always a, a really interesting one for me, be, purely because I swear, if you look back over the season, it's gone from one to seven to nine to three mm. to five. And I think the Eagles' defense seems to be clicking a little bit on the sacks front it seems to be getting a bit more consistent lately um but i'm going middle of the road i say slightly above middle of the road i'm going for five this week so i feel like it, they're on a roll the eagles defense is on a roll um, i would love to see five i would love to see I, five. I, i'm guessing you guys are going a little bit lower but i felt i was going to go higher i've just I've, I'm so, I've got so much faith in the uh in the line, I like it. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's a it's a mystery ball with the sacks, as you, as you mentioned. You know. Go on then, Liam. What, what what's your low ball? I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go three on this one. Um, I just I just think they're gonna try and run the ball a lot, um, which is gonna stop the defensive line edge rushers getting to the ball. But pff, I mean, I'm I'm guessing on a limb here. There's there's not much science in it. I could easily see them getting five, six, seven. He only, so, he, only, he only needs to pass it five times for me to be right. There you go. Well, <laughs> well, well unless, unless Phil goes seven. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, Mick goes seven. I mean, it could easily happen, Mick. No, I'll just split you down the middle. Uh, go four. All right. Happy days. Three, um, four, five. Brings us on to the score predictions this week. Um, mm-hmm. Mick, can you give us what you think the score prediction for this week is going to be? Okay, it's going to be a thrash of the Titans. Ooh, um, love that. That's going to be the name of the pod. We'll go, that'll be the name of the winning pod next week. Um, <laughs> we'll go 32 13. Jesus, Marion Joseph. I've not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not too far off what I've gone for, to be honest. When he said thrashing, I thought, bloody hell, maybe I've gone a bit too reserved here. Um, I've gone for 28 12. I feel ah. like. I feel like it's either going to be we're either going to concede similar amount of points to what we did in the last game because we just can't because Derek Henry runs all over us, or we're going to do what we seem to have done consistently and to give Gannon credit again is not concede that many runs, running rushing yards to some serious rushing talent over the last few weeks, and I think that if we can hold Derek Henry down, I think they're going to struggle. So um, Liam, what's your score prediction? Yeah, I don't have that much confidence. I think it's going to be one of the toughest games Eagles played this season, and I nearly went for a loss on my predictions. No. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go 27-23 because my heart is stronger than my head. 20, 27-23 to the birds. Liam's really, really playing the game now, Phil. Yeah. You know well, I know. So, literally, as soon as we decided to make a forfeit, Liam decides to take it seriously. Um, well, to be fair, Phil, you're the guy who normally writes it all down before the pod, whereas me and Mick just go off the cuff after we've been podding, having several whiskeys. Let's let's not not (laughs) act like I'm prepared. I account for my seriously poor memory and inability to think on the fly. So if I uh, if I don't write it down, I'll be like, um, 
<laughs> anyway, the outside the box. My favourite bit because I love hearing how unambitious you guys are. So um, go on, Len, Liam. I think I'm going to go to you first for your outside the box prediction. He's okay. going yet. You're going for something ridiculous, you know. Oh, is that what I'm doing, Nick? I'm gonna <laughs> yep. go for Jalen Hurts, one rushing touchdown. No, I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for AJ Brown over 140 receiving yards and a touchdown. Just not enough. What do you think about Just that? Not enough. Not enough? No. How many times has AJ Brown gone for over 140? What's his what, what, how many what's his what's his record for the season? You can have it, Liam. Don't worry about it. We're only joshing you. I'm gonna have to have a look. You you go and, and if, if I don't think it's fair, I'll come back to it. Okay. Um Mick. No, you go. Okay. I'll go so <laughs> I believe this. I, have, I know. Yeah, I believe this is going to be um, AJ Brown's redemption story, and the fact that their defense is the second worst in passing defense. Um, Jalen Hurts so far this season has a, to- a high a record high of 340 passing yards against Washington. Mm, he's going to break that. He's going to get 341 or more passing yards in this game. Yeah, I think that's outside the box. I think that's fair. I think David, he's only done I'm three thirty twice. No, I do because I, <laughs> you know, I've been, I was listening to WIP ninety four point one while I was over there, and I, th- I think that's a, I think that's a, a fair outside the box. This is going to be his his greatest passing uh, performance of the season. Um, Mick, have you thought of something? Um, Ryan Tannehill's head to explode and as well as to mop up. Um, is that outside the box or for you? Yeah, that, that uh, works. That would definitely classify as So can I just say something for a second? So um, you were asking about AJ Brown's average. His average is 75 yards. So I've nearly doubled, doubled his average and given him a touchdown. And he doesn't average a touchdown. Well, his again. record for the season, I think, is what I asked. Uh, what's his overall stats? Yeah, what, what's the highest of the season? What's his highest receiving? What's his highest for the season? Um, doesn't say on what I'm on. His... I haven't got that. Let me just, I'll have to check that. I've only got games played, uh, receiving yards, targets, yards, average, touchdowns, long, big, yards per game, fumble. He's um, He got 155 against Detroit and he got 156 against Pittsburgh. And those are his two standout. And you were saying that Hertz has only done 330 twice as well as your justification? Uh, 340 is his tops, but yeah, he's got about 330 yeah, in one of the games. I'll take it, I'll take it. Right. We'll, we'll take that. Okay. I just think that, think the touchdown is a bit more of a throwaway comment. It's probably well, I'll take it out if you want and just keep it as uh, 140 receiving yards. If you'd be happier. No, no, no we'll keep it. No, let's keep it. Let's keep it. <laughs> right, that is the end of the prediction. No, well done. No, do you not want my real one? Because that's... Um, Ryan of course we do, yeah. Of course we do. Of course we do. Give us a chance. You ready for this? Come on. Kobe to the house. Oh, well. No. So can I can I just say something before you go on? When I spoke to Coach Singleton um, at the Novacare Center, he said to Were me... you at the Novacare? Yeah, do you not hear? No. He, he said, it's only a matter of time 
before Kobe tasted the house because he did, he did it at college a number of times and he's seen it in training. He's seen it in training happening a number of times. And he said to me, it's only a matter of time before it so happens. Ba- so basically he's, he's alluding to the fact that it's not Kobe. It's the fact that they can't position players in the field. I would not want to put uh, words in coach's mouth, but, but that's um, essentially what you're saying. It's, you know, you could make, you could surmise that, I suppose. Well, that's the end of the uh, the predictions part of the podcast. So back to you, Liam, to wrap us up and lead us out. Oh, all I'm going to say is thank you so much for having me back as the host, Phil, and allowing me to... You're welcome. Uh... I think you've earned your, your right to come back in. <laughs> um, brilliant time on the podcast with you guys. Uh, my favourite time of the week since I've been back from the US. So thank you both of you. Thanks for all listening in. We are, of course, the next man of podcast. We are the British and Irish Eagles. You will see us at Passion Avenue on the 11th of December. Please do DM us in every channel. Pigeons are welcome, as mentioned earlier. And of course, we love you. Thank you.